Welcome in, everybody, to the first edition of Taking the Fields, a 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, John Fields, and joining me today is Matthew Bernie. Bernie, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. It's, this is a, a weight lifted off my shoulders. I, I just, you know, give it, <laughs> give it to John and let him run point. Um, I can just find, I can just be like the Marjorie McBride of this podcast now, you know, kind of like <laughs> off ball, or at least the last year's version of Marjorie McBride, where I can just sit off ball and just wait for my time. Three and D type player. Um, yeah, all, all Does that mean I get to be the JV on Hamlet, man. Is that what that means? Yes, that's exactly what that means. You are now the <laughs> JV on Hamlet this podcast. So all expectations are on you. If y'all have any problems, just direct them to John and, uh, get it, get all y'all's anger out on him. That's not me this time this year so exactly um yeah man i i'm i'm looking forward to this previewing the basketball season i i i can't wait as everybody knows this is my favorite time of the year um and you were on the beat last year so i I, there's a lot to um to cover a lot to review i mean what we're only what two weeks from the season at this point yeah just under two weeks it's going to be november 9th which is a couple tuesdays from now so not too far away all right um you, you want to start with last year? You want to take a look at last year first and then and then we can kind of evolve into into this season? Yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and take a look at last year. I mean, obviously, you come off the weird sort of uh, season that gets cut short, right? So you come off of that where they win the regular season title and then, you know, don't get a chance to play really in the conference tourney, have a really good shot at going NCAA, and then, uh, you know, come into another sort of COVID weird year, have some tough teams in non-conference play. So the season starts off a little slow, beat the teams they're supposed to beat, you know, lose to who they, you would expect they lose to. Um, Then they get into conference play and it's a pretty hot start. They're doing good, split a series with La Tech, beat Southern Miss. But then as you get to the end, you know, split with Marshall. So they were cool, but then they get swept by UAB. So they lose three in a row heading into the conference tournament. And everybody, I think everybody's expectations changed a little at that point. We weren't sure whether to believe that this team could, you know, reach those heights and get over the hump and win a conference tournament. But then sure enough, they go out to the CUSA tournament. Me and Bruni were both out there for all four games in four days, which was one heck of an experience. But we all get out there. They beat Middle Tennessee by 20 and then win three straight close games against Old Dominion, Louisiana Tech and Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky being in overtime was just an absurd game to watch, uh, but they get it done there. And then the historic nature of the season continues as, you know, both of us go down to Indianapolis and watch them beat Purdue in the first round, the only Indiana team in the tournament in Indianapolis, one of the bigger crowds of the first round and just a crazy game to see. Obviously they lose to Villanova then in the second round, which, you know, was a pretty lopsided game after a little bit of a slow start, but at the end of the day, first NCAA tournament win in program history and just a crazy historic season to witness. Yeah. I mean, they, they finished the year 18 and 10 overall, nine and five in conference play. And you mentioned the start to the season. And I don't want to spend too long on the last season because we have a lot to talk about this year. But the non-conference year was, I thought you worded it well. They beat the teams they're supposed to be. And then they lost to the teams that they were, quote unquote, supposed to lose to. A lot of it last year was they were to us, you know, Colin and me and a lot of people uh, around the team. And we're like, they should have beat Mississippi state. They should mm-hmm. have, they, they should have, um, they didn't get to play LSU. Um, and they, there was another game that was canceled in that stretch that I forget, but like the Mississippi state loss was really disheartening. And then they went and played Loyola, Loyola Chicago, who at the time we didn't know was going to be like 
really, really good. It may like like yeah. a sweet 16 level good, but you know, they looked bad in that loss too. So then there's like, all right, they didn't beat any of the teams that are like good in com- in non-conference. So we had no idea. Then they go and split with UTSA in San Antonio. And I'm like, uh, okay. But then, like you said, they get on a little bit of a run against UTEP Rice um, and Southern Miss. Uh, the Louisiana Tech series was awesome. The UAB series was, um, I everybody thought the sky was falling, including me. I thought yeah. this guy was falling. I thought it was done. And then we went and predicted the, the tournament and I had them losing in these conference semis to La Tech and Colin had them winning it all. And he was of course, right. They go on and uh, beat middle Tennessee, old dominion, La Tech and Western and just incredible games at the star. And just what a, what a season it was. What a year. I, I can't believe that they put it all together. Cause like there was an argument that the 2020 team was even better yeah, and that's what McCaslin said uh, before. I don't remember when it was. Uh, it all just kind of runs together. But like he was like the 2020 team might have been better. Like that was a team that was like running the table. I think they were, they ended up what 14 14 to four in conference. I think it was. Yeah, I, I think mean, that's right. That's incredible. And so to finally get that redemption and still make it that West Kentucky game and those that Purdue game are games that I will never ever ever forget. Like as long as as long as I live. Like those were amazing. So shout out to that team. Incredibly fun team. Uh, real quick, I mean, obviously it was a Javion Hamlet-led team. His usage percentage was through the roof in in the postseason. I mean, we're talking about a guy who had his ball had the ball in his hand every single possession for probably twenty seconds of the shot clock every single time. So, um, yep. him and then you know a very senior heavy team with um, a couple guys of those guys. Those guys did come back, but you look at um, Javion Hamlet. Uh, James Reese was technically uh, a senior last year, but he obviously um, had another year of eligibility. All these guys got extra year of eligibility. Uh, Maya, Jemiah Simmons, uh, JJ Murray, Thomas Bell, uh, Zachary Simmons as well. So it's an, it's, it was an, it was an interesting team, a really interesting team. So we can start to kind of get into like the, the off season now. Yeah, well, and one thing I wanted to bring up before we transition to that is you personally, I think you had a couple fun moments during the season too, man. I think you pissed off Javion Hamlet at one point. Uh, and then I remember you, uh, who was it, Ren Baker, the AD, ripped your bracket after the, the Conference USA tournament, I believe? It was it was the time of my life, man. I, <laughs> I, I don't know if I will ever be more like just have a crazier sequence of weeks than, than that. Just from Javion Hamlet hating my guts to complete and you know coming jumping the scores table and coming at me after they win the tournament and i tell Colin all the time i'm like i can't believe after they win the tournament like the biggest moment of his life to that point he comes over and like just comes talking to me about like i told you <laughs> why would you bet on me? You, you like how, how, how dare you all this stuff and uh, i mean what a guy though i i love him i love him. i i remember I always liken it back to like the Michael Jordan stories where it was like it, Michael Jordan would always like have like the news clippings put up and everything like that. It's exactly what it was. It's exactly what it was. And then we had Thomas Bell and JJ on like a podcast over the off season. They're like, Oh yeah, man, he was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That was just what a, what a, what a time. Rim Baker ripping up my bracket, man. Whew. Yeah, it was, it was fun. And that's what covering sports is supposed to be. And I, I obviously don't, ever want to make it about myself and i that's why i didn't bring it up at all like the jv on hamlet thing even though i knew like a few weeks before 
the, even the tournament, I was like, all right, yeah, this dude, he's, he's, he's upset. He's upset. Yeah. Um, but I never wanted to make it about myself. So that's what I tried not to do during the season off season. We can have fun with it, but yeah, that was a crazy, crazy year. <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt, man. And yeah, if we do want to get toward that off season afterwards, like you said, they had some guys come back. I'll run through the returners real quick. So you got Thomas Bell, JJ Murray, and Jemiah Simmons are the three fifth year seniors this year. Mardrez McBride is now technically a senior this year. I think he'd have another year after this if he wanted to take it because the yeah. COVID year basically doesn't count for anybody. Uh, and then you've got last year's two freshmen, Abu Usman and Ruben Jones are coming back as well. Uh, but outside of that, it's going to be a face full of new faces or a team full of new faces because the guys that are leaving, we yep. talked about Javion Hamlet getting out of town. I mean, Obviously, he's a key part, but then you lose James Reese, who transferred to South Carolina. Uh, Javion, by the way, is playing pro ball, I think, in Israel or Israel. something like that. Yeah. Uh, now, Zach Simmons moved on as well. He's playing pro ball with the Bristol Flyers and the British Basketball League, along with another UNT, UNT alum, Mike Miller. So that's dope to see. Uh, and then you had four guys transfer out who didn't really play a ton all year with Larry Wise going to West Texas A&M, Michael Robin Robinson going to Dodge City Community College, Jalen Jackson transferring to A&M Corpus Christi, and then Terrence Lewis II ended up at Jackson State University from what I saw. So you lose those six guys, and then you look at who they brought in, and they brought in quite a few dudes. They brought in three freshmen, obviously, with Aaron Scott, Matthew Stone, and Kristen Morgan. And then they brought in three transfers as well with Tyler Perry, Rashid Brown, Hamir Wright, actually four transfers, sorry, because they also had Bryce Zephyr. Yeah. Hamir Wright was sort of the one from the big name school, University of Washington, but you got Tyler Perry from Coffeyville Community College where they won the JUCO national title. Rashid Brown's from A&M Corpus Christi and then Bryce Zephyr from Chipola Junior College. So a lot of new faces on this team this year, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they all uh, end up shaking out. Yeah. Uh you mentioned it. Uh, the James Reese departure was really interesting over the offseason to watch because he go then goes on to say he was like hours away from returning to North Texas and then South Carolina called him up. And I don't blame him at all for going to South Carolina, going home. I mean, because throughout the pandemic, I remember James Reese was a, is a great, great guy to talk to, first of all, like. Shout out James oh, yeah. Reese. Great interview. Just I remember calling him over the the pandemic. And be like, hey man, how are you doing? Like everything cool? He's like, yeah man, I'm in South Carolina. I'm I'm having a great time. I'm just chilling with family, you know. He's like, I got a little hoop out here. We just go shoot. And so I, I'm happy for him to go. He gets to go back to South Carolina. That that's awesome. Um, you know, all the guys that went to go play pro, uh, Javion, Zach. I mean, I'm excited for them. Larry left in the middle of the year last year, so that was kind of a weird situation. The one that did kind of hurt to see is the Michael Robinson one. And I yes. don't know that situation at all. Like he went to a junior college. And so I don't know if it was academics. I don't know what the situation was there. And I don't want to speculate. I'm just saying, I don't know. He was a guy who I thought could have a really, really good career at North Texas. And he flashed that in the postseason. So that one yes. did hurt a little bit. Terrence Lewis, um, Terrence Lewis is, you know, good guy, but I don't, I don't think he was going to be that impactful of a player on a, on a winning team. So yeah, those, those departures were, were interesting for me. Uh, Jalen Jackson as well. Again, good guy, really cool, cool guy. Um, San Antonio guy, uh, guy, uh, where did he go again? He went to, uh, A&M Corpus, A&M Corpus Christi. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he'll, he'll do good there. He'll do well there. So I'm excited to see him. So, um, and you mentioned the returners for me, 
one of the a couple of the the key returners that I'm interested in watching because I you've been out to practice so I I defer to you in a lot of these situations. I've talked to a couple of the coaches, um, you know, just about their scrimmages and whatnot, but I will defer because I haven't seen them in person. The Tyler Perry one is is amazing to me because when he mm. when he committed, I watched every single Coffeeville College game. I was watching those guys make it through the run <laughs> and he can score the ball, man. He's a really, really good point guard. Uh, the question is he's five eleven, though. Right. So that's where you're going to have to fi- figure it out and, you know, put things together, whether he comes off the bench or whether he starts. Um, I do like him being a nice change up from JJ Murray. You have on one side, you have the defensive guard on the other side, you have the, the offensive guard. I'm not saying they're going to play together a lot, but I'm saying if you have that uh, back and forth. So, that that's probably the biggest one for me. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Hamir, right? I think there's still going to be questions with him to whether he can um, get adjusted because North Texas is a very different culture than Washington. But yeah, those those are the guys. And Rashid Brown, um, I remember talking to him after he committed. He he was just like, yeah, man, I'm I'm just a West, I'm just a Philadelphia point guard, man. I'm just a tough Philadelphia <laughs> point guard. He kept saying that. I was like, all right, all right, man, good, good to see. So um, yeah, I'm excited about all those additions and. Uh, you know, I, I, I look forward to watching this team. So do you want to get to questions now or do you want to start uh, talk some like general stuff about the year and our expectations or how do you want to do it? Uh, yeah, we can talk general stuff about the year first, I guess. Um, obviously, Conference USA preseason poll came out. It was kind of weird timing because it came out the same day the uh, American Athletic Conference news was announced <laughs> that UNT is going there. So sort of flew under the radar a little bit, at least for me. I didn't see it until later in the day, but uh, there were definitely some UNT fans that were, you know, a little upset at where North Texas ended up stacking up, which I can understand to some extent, but uh, just with all the uncertainty, I get it. Read it off. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now, actually. I was buying a little time. I know UAB's first. That's what I know, and that is deserved. UAB is going to be a juggernaut oh man i mean yeah if you just look at all the guys they brought in they brought in so many transfers and they bring back a bunch of guys like it's it's gonna be crazy to see how well they are able to mesh together and you know if it takes them a little while to get adjusted but man they got all the talent in the world talent won't be the issue for them that's for sure yeah and then i I think two second was a lot tech which uh, makes a ton of sense as well makes sense i mean kenneth lofton continues to be a problem for not just teams in America, but he played on the Olympic or on the uh, U U eighteen no U twenty one team was U twenty one you no U nineteen U nineteen yeah I was like U twenty one is too high U nineteen uh, World Cup team and he led the team in scoring and that was a hell of a team with like Chet Holmgren and Adam Miller from LSU he had so, a couple of the Purdue guys on that team as well a couple of the young guys Ivey. from there yep Jaden Ivy was on that team and he led them all in scoring he's a beast and then you get um. Uh, Isaiah Crawford, right? That's his name. I, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, you get him back as well. That front court set. Uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be a really, really good team at Louisiana Tech as well. So, uh, it is. I've got the poll now but, up actually. So yeah, it's UAB, Louisiana Tech, Western Kentucky, Marshall, Old Dominion, North Texas sixth, which is what had a lot of North Texas fans upset. But I mean, with all the roster turnover, you lose. I mean, three of your starters basically with James Reese, Javion Hamlet, and Zach Simmons all gone. I mean, just the uncertainty. I can see why 
you don't pick North Texas high, but you know, if you want to look at the flip side, they've been picked as underdogs several years in a row and they've found a way to get it done anyway. So yeah, I'm just peeping at peeking at old dominion. I don't want to spend a lot of time on old dominion, but they do return a good amount of talent. Um, Kalui Zikpe is a really, really good forward for them. Um, AJ Oliver, Rusher seniors, they they do have a good amount of returners here, and uh, I think that's probably where a lot of it. Austin Trice from Kansas State comes in as well. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting team. Jeff Jones is always good at Old Dominion, so I I don't mind six honestly. I think uh, maybe a little bit of the just with so much turnover, it's going to be tough. But that, then we can kind of start getting into ceiling and floor type talks. I mean, what do you think this team's ceiling is? Do we have, is there a question about that that we got from, from anybody? I don't know if we got that. I don't think we necessarily got a ceiling question, but it is, it's tough, right? Because, you know, as that poll indicated, I think there is a lot of uncertainty around this team. And even, I mean, I've been to probably six or seven practices at this point doing various stuff, uh, interviews for different class stories, taking pictures, all that good stuff. And I haven't really... I don't know. It's just so early in the year still that it's hard to get a ton of gauge as to actually how good these guys are going to be as the year progresses. Right. They've got some tough non-conference games where they're going to, you know, probably get their butts kicked. They've got Arkansas here for an exhibition here in a couple of days, actually, which is going to be an interesting one to see how that plays out. Um, but I mean, they've got Buffalo on the non-conference, obviously Kansas at the ESPN events invitational. Nevada is going to be another tough opponent. So I think they're going to get their butts kicked early and it's just going to be about all of these new guys coming in combined with, you know, the key returners, how they're able really to work through, you know, those early challenges and how well they're able to mesh. But I think the ceiling is pretty high if these guys are able to get it going. It's just whether or not they're able to fully come together. Yeah, I I don't, I'm interested because Conference USA is so good this year. I just don't, and I don't want to put a ceiling on them already because uh, before the year, because but without seeing them, I think that's unfair. So I'm not going to say that they can't win the conference. I think it's going to be much more difficult this year than in years past. Oh, yeah. um, not only because you don't have JV on Hamlet, but you don't have Zachary Simmons. And Zachary Simmons was a just a pillar for this team the past few years, like a, a great, great player. Um, someone they and James play. Reese was a big key too on defense. James Reese, the past two years, I mean, being a three and D type guy for them, and someone who started expanding his role as his career went on, um, you know that that hurts. So I, I definitely think the ceiling for this team is lower. I don't think they have the, the same top end talent. Um, I will say that I think the floor isn't low. I think the floor is actually pretty high because of one guy in particular, and I think that's because of Thomas Bell. I think Thomas Bell alone. Ha- makes this team a top six team in Conference USA. Like I can't put them much lower. Who do they? Who's seventh and eighth in, in the Conference USA uh, poll? Do you remember? Uh, they got there? Charlotte and Rice. Okay, Charlotte's seven, Rice is eight. All right, there's no way in hell they're gonna be worse than Rice. <laughs> I'll just tell you all <laughs> that right now. Um, they will be better than Rice, even though Rice returns literally everybody, like literally everybody. Evie, Olivari, Fiedler, all of them. No. Yeah, we've seen matter. what the ceiling is with those guys. Yeah. No, it's that's that's done. Thomas Bell is one of the top probably four players in Conference USA, top four or five players in Conference USA pretty comfortably. I think he's going to be in contention for that player of the year discussion once it's all said and done. So I can't see him letting this team be worse than six this year. And I think that they have enough pieces around them, enough culture in the program 
to win um, and be a competitive team night in, night out. Whether that means they come in second, whether that means they come in fifth, I don't know. But as we've seen, all that matters is if you make it to the tournament and win the tournament. And that's what this program is built on. And I I mean, the last two times there have been Conference USA champions, not, not including the divisions, North Texas has won them. So who am I to say that they're going to fall off? I definitely don't think they're going to at this point. You mentioned the non-conference season, uh, which we can kind of touch on real quick. Um, UT Arlington, Buffalo is an interesting one. I don't know how good Buffalo is. Then UT Arlington. And then you mentioned the Kansas game in the ESPN Invitational. Then, like, win or lose, they're going to be playing, like, Miami or Dayton off-rip. Like, and then win or lose that, you're going to play somebody else that's probably really, really good. So, like, that's a three-game stretch of your hardest three games of the year, basically. Yep. Like, that's going to be – I think that's going to be a crucial stretch for this season and not in the win-loss column. I think it's going to be a crucial stretch just with what those guys are able to learn from those games and how they're able to adjust on the fly in a tournament setting like that because that's big experience come – Conference USA tournament and that kind of thing too. A couple of years ago, they played in the Bahamas and they lost those games, but you could tell that they were kind of starting to figure this stuff out. And I think that's kind of what this is going to be, except like on steroids because you're playing Kansas instead of <laughs> Utah State. Um, but yeah, that, I, th- I think it's going to be big for them. And not for nothing, they have Nevada coming to Denton. That's on, a really good team. Right after that. And like Nevada's always good. Yeah, uh, Sam Houston State a couple uh, like a week later is always good. Wichita State on the road to wrap like and I mean, Tulsa too. Yeah, and Tulsa. I didn't even see Tulsa. Tulsa down there. So what? How many games is that? One, two, three, four, five, seven, eight. What is it, twelve games? It's like twelve. Yeah, twelve. I mean, hell, if they can go seven and five in this stretch, six and six, seven and five. Again, it's about how they look. It's not about the record as much, but. Or I guess I guess it's eleven with because the Arkansas game is an exhibition, but yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I did count that one too. Yeah, so I, I'm interested in that. The, the the non-conference slate is is fascinating this year. I mean, I talked to Coach Reem, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm not sure. I've ever. I don't think I've ever been a part of a a non-conference schedule as difficult as this. Like any at any stop. Like, and yeah, this is this is brutal. This is brutal. So." But I do think that they've learned from that like 2018 year where they played like a bunch of cupcakes and went 15 and 0 or 15 and 1. <laughs> and they were like, no, nah, this isn't it. So we're just going to play like hard teams all the time, which is great. Great for us. We get to watch great games. We don't get, we don't have to watch them play um, nobody. And we don't have to watch UAB's non conference schedule from last year where they came out like 13 and 0 or something after that. And then, I mean, you see the proof is in the pudding, right? They sort of flamed out down the stretch. I don't know that they played enough good teams. Yeah, that's that's always an interesting some that's always something coaches weigh. So um and it, it just helps us as like reporters to figure out just how good this team actually is. Cause like UAB last year is like, are are they actually good? They they don't shoot the ball, you know, but they were they yeah. were they were good, but they just weren't good enough. So um and then you know, going through conference play, it's it's nice that it's not the same team back to back anymore. It is back to that Thursday, Saturday schedule. So Thursday, Saturday, Thursday, Saturday, Thursday, Saturday every week. So um, you know, some are at home, some are on the road. I think the only split one is probably, I actually don't know which one, if they have a split one this year. Um, but yeah, it, I'm, I don't, UTEP, I don't, I don't look at as being, even though they have Joe Golding now, I'm not worried about UTSA is going to be awful. Southern Miss is going to be awful. 
you really just have the same guys you're always worried about Vlatek and UAB. So I think this is a comfortable year for them. They've only played Western Kentucky once. They only play Marshall once. So I'm assuming they play the East once everywhere. And yeah. And then they've got, I mean, obviously UAB twice, LaTeX twice. They don't even play FIU. Am I missing FIU on the schedule? Yeah. I don't see them either. Damn. That would have been an easy win too. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's a, it's an interesting schedule. Um, I'm looking, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how, how they kind of play early in the year, especially. All right. You want to get some questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Do you have them up? I have them up if you don't. Uh, yeah, you can go ahead. I don't All have right. them up. All right. Let's start with Tony. Sorry, NTSN. Let's start with Tony. What do you feel the realistic expectation for this team is after losing several impact players in conference USA being much more top heavy this year with Western UAB and La Tech? Realistic expectations. Um, I, I guess I can go first. I think yeah. realistic is somewhere in like the two or three to like six range, like you were talking about. I don't think they win the conference this year. And again, maybe they prove me wrong, but I just think, yeah, there's too much turnover, too many new guys you're trying to integrate. I could see somewhere in the two to five, two to six range, something like that. I mean, I think there's a good chance they can beat Old Dominion and Marshall and maybe end up, or even, and even Western Kentucky, and they could be competitive with La Tech or UAB on any given day. But to me, if I'm coming in, I think these guys realistically third, fourth in conference USA win a game or two at the tournament. I think that's a solid year. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, the thing is like, as much as I want to say like, you know, there's definitely a chance they can compete for the title. And there is, like I said, yeah, I feel like it would just be disrespecting what UAB and La Tech are have re- returning this year. Like, yeah. and I'm always someone who's like, all right, you have to have prove it to me to a degree and La Tech and UAB proved it to us last year, right? They made the semifinals, both of them, albeit they lost, but they get everybody back then some. So I think putting North Texas over either one of them would probably be not right for me. So I'm going to go probably, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say who fourth or fifth. Yeah. Um, just as like, if I had to narrow it, narrow it down, you know, I think three through five is probably a, a better guess, but like if I had to narrow it down, I'd say four or five realistically here. Cause Western is going to be good again too, unfortunately. So um, yeah, that, that's probably my realistic expectation here. All right. NTSN. Uh, thanks for your question, Tony. Uh, NTSN asked, has four questions. Of course he does. He always has four questions. <laughs> um, number one, which freshman will have the freshman will have the biggest impact. So I will defer this to you because I have someone in my mind, but I, I haven't been to practice like you. I haven't been as a, close to the action as you so do you have an answer for that yeah so to me it's between aaron scott and matthew stone i think Kristen morgan's going to be more of a long-term developmental kind of guy not that he can't be good here in a year or two but i I don't see him having a huge impact his freshman year so i think it's between scott and stone and to me i mean you see all the sort of typical freshman struggles in practice right some guy sometimes a guy doesn't know what his assignment is or He'll miss, you know, making the right play. But to me, Matthew Stone, he's been high energy throughout practice. If you watch him run sprints at all, he's always the first one to finish every single time. So just that effort is a good indicator for me that he's going to put the effort in on the defensive side. And if he figures everything out scheme wise and isn't a liability on that end, 
he's going to have the biggest impact because he can also knock down a three-point shot. He can knock down a mid-range. You know, he's got enough ability on the offensive side to make an impact. I think he can play some of that 3 and D sort of a, a lesser version of what James Reese was for them. I think he can play some of that kind of a role and step in a little bit in that regard. So I'd pick Matthew Snowen, but I think Aaron Scott's got a lot of potential on the offensive side as well. It's just about how quickly he can figure it out on defense. Yeah, Matthew Stone was the highest rated uh, freshman that they that they signed. They're all about the same. They're all around 85, but Matthew Stone was a little bit higher out of Oklahoma. Um, I would go Matthew Stone too, just off of what I'm hearing with his activity level and just his energy and his effort. I think there's could be a spot for him to to carve out a role. I think it all as always it starts on defense defense with these guys. Yeah, uh, they're gonna have to figure it out. They're gonna have to get accustomed to it and Aaron Scott's a guy who I want to see kind of fill out his frame a little bit more uh, no doubt. I think he's skilled definitely but you know you want to get in that college body you want to get in that um, kind of physical space to where you don't have to you're not a liability in a sense so I, I'm looking forward to that I, I agree with you I think Matthew Stone is probably my answer for biggest impact however I don't know how big that impact is this year exactly you know I don't know if he I don't think he cracks the eight man rotation consistently so no i i agree with that i agree with that 100 percent. yeah all right second question from ntsn will the offense get faster with jv on gone that's a really good question i mean these guys are who they are right like the mccaslin's not going to change his system i don't think dramatically just based on one guy leaving like that's what they want to do is they want to slow the game down they want to get quality looks on the offensive end and then they want to play strong defense so I don't see the personnel on this team to speed it up a crazy amount. Granted, having Ruben at point guard, probably, that, that's my guess. Uh, I mean, I think they speed up a little bit and try to get on the break a little more with Ruben out there because he's a guy who can make some great plays in transition. Um, so I think it speeds up a bit, but I don't think it's going to be any crazy drastic jump because that's just not who these McCaslin teams are. Yeah, uh, if we go back, and I'm, tr- I'm going back to look at like their pace rating – just throughout the years, even before Javion. So the last four years, they so the last two years they were 350 and 350. So basically dead last in the country almost. <laughs> right. 350 and 350. Um three years ago, yes, so 2019 season, they were 294th. And again, that's the Ryan Woolridge's last year. That's before they had Javion. So, you know, they were still very slow in that regard. Before that, I think this was his first year, McCaslin, 2018, 17-18 was his first year. Um, they were 196th. So none of these teams are in the top half of the country in terms of pace. Um, I remember last year him kind of bringing up that, you know, they, they'll look to be a little faster. And they were early to an extent, but then as the year goes on, they really just prioritize, like, let's just win the game. Like, we just want to suffocate these guys and win the game and get out. Like, that's really all they care about. So um, I just don't see them. I just don't see. I think the personnel is better suited to be faster with Ruben. Like you said, I think Ruben is going to help a lot with the ball in his hands. Uh, Tyler Perry is another guy I want to see kind of on the, in the open court as far as just, like, creating goes. But outside of that, they're going to be playing Thomas Bell at the four a traditional five for the most part. I mean, Thomas will play five occasionally as well, but you know, oh, yeah. you, you play Thomas and another big, and let's say, you know, whether it's Drez and uh, Tyler or JJ or whoever your backcourt is, Rashid Brown, 
I just don't think there's that like there's not that punch. There's not that super athletic guy that's going to go out there and just push the ball down the court. And I need to see Ruben do it for consistent consistently as far as like creating for this team. And that's something that's going to be an underrated storyline is Ruben Jones making that step from all right, a 15 to 20 minute game contributor to a 35 minute game contributor. You know what I mean? That's yep. not easy. That's something that when Javion got here, it killed him. It was the hardest thing. And he was coming in two years older, I believe. So this is a guy, Ruben Jones, who's going to have to really start to figure out his conditioning, figure out where to spend his energy, how to play both ends, because this team doesn't let you just play offense. You got to play both ends and, you know, adjusting to that. Same thing's true with Tyler Perry. I'm sure in junior college, he was obviously not asked to defend that much. This is a different animal. So all these newcomers, and that's why I see, I, I can't go on there and say this team's going to win the conference. They just, this, not only do they have too much turnover, but we've seen consistently new guys tend to struggle when they come in. Yeah. As far as, or at least early on, right? Because even when, James, I mean, we saw Drez last year, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Reese, his first year. Um, you know, I, even Thomas's first year, I didn't think it was very good. Uh, Javion figured it out at the midway point of his first season. So that was a different animal. And he kind of obviously hit his stride and they won the conference. But even the first half of that was, was rough for him, really, really bad. So I, I just, there's a lot of, it's a program that needs you to be great or not be great, but needs you to be locked in the entire time. And that's, yeah. that's, that's not easy to do. So I, I don't think they'll play faster personally. No, All right. I hundred percent agree with that. All right. Number three, besides Kansas, what's the toughest game on the schedule? I mean, I, so I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to cheat and go outside. I mean, go within that tournament. I don't think, cause that's another, I mean, more of those games against. If they have to play Dayton after that, that'd probably be the hardest one. Yeah. But I would say, I mean, Nevada is going to be a really good team and UAB is going to be right up there. La Tech's going to be up there, but I might pick Nevada out all of these, to be honest with you. Uh, Ken Palm has Nevada 49 in the country. So that's, I believe that's the highest by a decent margin. UAB is at 71. La Tech is 88. I'm just looking through other teams. Buffalo is 94. Western 90. So, yeah, you have obviously a lot of top 100 competition there. Um, did I see Wichita? Oh, let me leave Wichita State. Where's Wichita State at? Wichita State 62. Mm. Man, 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 man. This is a schedule. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go Nevada as well. Uh, I think UAB is going to be competitive. I think UAB is a French top 50 team in the country. Um, they might barely miss out on that number, but I think they're going to be in contention for like an automatic bid if they get have a good enough non-conference schedule. And I actually don't know what their non-conference schedule is, but I think that highly of them. Like, I think they're a top 50 team in the country, but I also think Nevada is. So, you know, take your pick between those two for me. What a, what a schedule. But yeah. Um, all right. Number four, who will fill the role that Zach had last year? If anyone. All right. I'm going to knock this out quickly. Nobody's filling that role. It's just not happening. And they've got some solid bigs on this team, but nobody's filling the role Zach Simmons did for them last year, how crucial he was. It took him literally all four of his seasons to be able to build up to the level he was at for these guys and how consistent he was on both ends for them. Yeah. Neither of these guys is going to be able to do that this year. And they're not going to ask them to. You They're say ask them to be solid players. 
you say neither of these guys, you're talking about Abu Usman and Amir, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't make that clear. But yeah, no, those are the sure. two guys who are going to factor in as the big men on this team. Because as we said previously, I don't think Kristen Morgan's a guy that's going to have much of an impact this year. He might yeah. get in a little bit, but when, when the rotation gets cut down for them trying to win conference basketball games, it's going to be Hamir and it's going to be Abu. And they're going to need those guys to be solid, but they're not going to be expecting Zach Simmons levels out of those guys yet because those guys haven't been in this system for that long. Even Abu's only going into his second year. Hamir's only his first year in this system. That's not what they're looking for from these guys. Yeah, they're going to be kind of different players, obviously. I think Abu is more of a finisher of an extent to an extent like a guy who can just get the ball turned and score in a sense we saw that as a freshman like the one thing he did well was kind of just score whenever he had well and we did we did see some defensive flashes from him I think there was a game he had three or four blocks or something like that but I agree I think his main skill set is finishing on the offensive side yeah and then Amir Wright's kind of more of a versatile guy in the front court so obviously they wouldn't ask him to be Zach Simmons in that role whether he can hopefully he can shoot uh, which he showed in, in Washington. Uh, you can do that. He blocks shots, rebounds. So it's a little more of a versatile five. Yeah, I've got a little insight on him, actually, just having watched him play a bunch. The, he's got like a legitimate three-point shot. I don't know that he's actually going to shoot it in games, but I saw him one day in practice hit seven or eight threes in a row in one of the drills. So he can legitimately shoot a three ball. And he shot like 30% at Washington, which isn't ideal, but – He's shown an ability, at least in practice, to hit it. I don't know how well that translates to the game or what McCasland wants him to be doing, but he he definitely has a jumper, even in the mid-range a little bit. I've seen some flashes there, too. So I'll be interested to see how much he's actually shooting that. I wouldn't imagine it's a ton, but if they need a bucket or something like that, maybe they go to him for something like that. You know, Maybe he gets a shot or two of those in a given situation when it fits. I'll tell you what, though, that would be huge to have a five that can shoot the ball like that. Cause we saw that they had to go to Thomas bell at the five last year to get that kind of spacing. Yeah. Um, if you can play Thomas and Hamir, Wright, And this is Hamir Wright For a lot of people, they're going to look at Hamir Wright and be like, Whoa, this guy has a lot of talent. He can do this and that it's going to take him considerable amount of time to get in the, a, the defensive responsibilities, and B, understanding the offense to an extent. I, I really don't think people understand how long it takes players, transfers, to come in and understand what North Texas tries to do because it is kind of unique to an extent. Um, oh, yeah, and I think that's the battle for both of the big guys, honestly. Abu obviously has had some time in the system, but I think a lot of the battle for both of them, Abu and Hamir, is on sort of the mental side of it, whether it's knowing the system, knowing where they're supposed to be, or just – you know, being, you know, mentally in the game, not letting a, you know, a couple missed shots get you out of your game too much. Or, you know, that's something that I think could be a little bit of a hindrance for Abu at times. I've seen a little bit of struggles as far as the mental side of it. If he misses a few shots, staying locked in like that kind of thing. Yeah, that's how and then Hamir, Hamir the same way. I've seen a little bit of, I've seen flashes of that where staying locked in, you know, for the whole 40 minutes, it's going to take some time for him to get all the way there. But if those guys can get all the way there, they can both be pretty key parts to this team. Yeah, that was a big thing for Abu last year as well. So um, I'm, I'm confident he's going to at least take a step forward. I really think Abu is going to be a solid player for this team this year. So, um, But one thing is Thomas Bell playing the five this year, I think is going to be even more valuable, especially early on when this team is really unstable. Like we don't really know what it is. They're just going to throw Abu at the five and just lock everything up. Like he's just going to be the guy that, 
um, is going to be able to stretch the floor on offense. He's going to be the guy that's going to be able to protect the rim, rebound at a high rate. Like that's just he's he's like a he's like in a Big Ten or Big Ten Ben Ten. You know, you remember the show Big Ben Ten? Oh yeah, yeah. So how he had the the watch that was like the the spider monkey one that was just like <laughs> yeah that that's that's Thomas Bell. He just does everything. He's just going to have like six arms and just grab every rebound, shoot threes, dunk the ball. Um, that that's what I think of when I think of um of Thomas Bell. He's great. No, I agree. And I could see them going to some lineups with, you know, Ruben, Drez, JJ, maybe Jemiah and Thomas Bell. I could see a five-man lineup looking like that. Let's talk about Maya. Let's talk about Jemiah Simmons because this is the guy who is uh, going into, I believe, his sixth year at this point from the Virgin Islands, uh, has been out the past two years, basically. I mean, did he even play – yeah, last year he didn't because he I think he tore his ACL That's or something like that. Two years ago, he did play technically. He was just out of the rotation pretty much. So he was out of the rotation. Yeah. And then last year he missed it. He tore his Achilles during practice in October. So I didn't expect him to come back. But I did yeah, I was I was interested. I was definitely interested in seeing him come back. And the interesting thing for me is he's been with McCaslin since his Arkansas State days. Yep. So McCaslin knows his capabilities as a player. He knows where he can utilize him. And I think there's a chance that, especially early on, he could play in some key spots for this team if he's able to defend at a high enough level to do it. Because I think I think he's got some tools where he can be one of those guys where you just plug in and get some minutes out of him. He's not necessarily got anything great as far as an offensive or even a defensive skill. He's just one of those guys who can get in there and eat up some minutes for you, I think. Have I don't know how much, how closely or how much you knew about him because did you watch the team at all? Like the years before last year? Uh, not particularly. Because, I caught a few games. Yeah. Cause like Maya his the first year he was here that he didn't register. It was like, he started nine games for this team. Like in, and like he started huh. at Oklahoma. And so everyone was like, okay, this is like this six, four, six, five, four that like can rebound kind of like, can kind of do some things and I'm just interested like is he has he gotten better since like I mean obviously he's been hurt and so I don't really want to like put too much on the guy but like I mean it's been two years three years since you know we've asked of anything from Maya like is he just a coach at this point like I don't know and I don't want to be disrespectful but I'm just hoping that he can has improved a little bit and maybe we can see a little bit more out of him this year I don't know I just I agree and I think I have seen at least some in practice and look it's practice so who really knows right but I've seen him have an ability to finish around the rim with some of the big guys which is going to be key for him because he's going to be playing against guys that are bigger than him because I mean he's not he's more of a small ball four kind of a guy really that's the way I see him fitting into this team so I think there's ways he can earn some playing time especially if he's able to be solid on the defensive side it's just going to be yeah it's going to be interesting to see how well he's able to get back out there with like you said missing all of last year with the injury not playing a ton the year before i don't know all right let's finish going through this roster a bit um i'm gonna dish it to you here first um rashid brown rashid brown i've heard different stories about him not stories but i've different (laughs) evaluations i guess of him um, what, what do you, how would you evaluate him and what he does and what his role in this team is going to be? Yeah. He's an interesting guy, man, because 
I have, I've seen different stuff from him depending on which practice I go to. Right. So he's flashed a pretty solid three point shot. I think that's something that he's going to be able to bring to this team, at least at times is shooting from the outside. And I've seen some promise from him on the defensive side. I think he can be a pretty good on ball defender. It's just about him figuring out the system, like with all the newcomers and then just, you know, being locked in the entire time. But I think he's got potential to be sort of that three and D type of player in essence. And he can make some plays with the ball in his hands a little bit, but I don't think they're going to ask him to do that too much. I think it's going to be more Ruben with the ball, Tyler Perry with the ball. Maybe you see Drez with the ball occasionally, but I think Ruben and Tyler Perry are going to be the two main ball handlers. An under an underrated aspect of this year's team is I think going to be the spacing that they're going to have on offense. Mm. Cause you look at last year's team and while you did have Drez and Reese and Thomas, right? The two, three, four. Um, a lot of times, and I mean, JJ thrown in there as well. I mean, JJ is a good, fine shooter. He's not a great shooter. Um, Javion at the one and Zach at the five, you didn't have that kind of like open court ability, especially with Javion. Your one not being able to shoot is kind of a little bit of a hindrance. So I'm interested in whether it's Rashid Brown or Tyler Perry, pairing them with Drez feels like a lot more potent of a backcourt as far as just shooting goes. Obviously, Javion is Javion. Great. But, you know, you get a little bit more when you set a ball screen, a team, a guy's just not just going straight under it. You know, he has to maybe the defender has to hedge. Maybe he has to go over the screen. That just opens up the doors a little bit for for an offense moving forward. And that's what I'm interested to see if if, if Rasheed Brown can shoot it and also create to an extent. I think that's a really, really interesting punch, but I don't know enough about Rasheed Brown. So that's why I want to defer to you in that, in that aspect. Yeah. Well, I think they're definitely, he's shown flashes of being able to create, but I, yeah, like I said, I think Tyler Perry, Ruben Jones are going to be the main ball handlers for these guys. I think they've, you know, at least from what I've seen, they've been the main ones getting work as the ball handlers. So I think those guys are going to be the main ones, but yeah, if you can get some of that secondary playmaking, take some of the pressure off those guys, it's going to be huge. Okay. And if you want to talk about space in the floor, I think Bryce Zephyr is another interesting guy because he's shown a really knockdown three-point shot from what I've seen. He, he's a good shooter. It's just going to be about the defensive side of the ball, I think, for him too, how well he can adjust and adapt on that side of the court, get integrated. So I don't know that he sees a ton of minutes, but he's definitely got enough of a jump shot to space the floor like a bunch of these guys do. So I don't know exactly what it's going to look like for him, but he's got a jumper. And he's and he's young. I think this is only gonna be a second year. Uh, I think this is like sophomore year here. So he shot 29 of 50 from three last season at Chipola Junior College. Obviously, that's limited number of attempts, but 29 of 50 in practice would be kind of impressive. 29 of 50 in a game is is very impressive. So uh yeah. talking about six fourth sophomore there. Another player I'm not gonna act like I know a ton about. I'm gonna defer to you in that in that aspect. I need to see him in games, but if he can shoot the ball the way that you're saying here, I think him and Rashid Brown as, you know, some backup wings and some backup two twos and threes is, is a really interesting uh, combination. Yeah, I agree. And I, yeah, these guys are going to have to play key roles, right? Because whether you're talking about Kristen Morgan or Aaron Scott, like those guys have skill sets, but I don't think they, yeah, like you said, they're going to need to get their bodies up to college levels to really be effective. So I think it's going to be Tyler Perry, Rashid Brown, Hamir Wright, Bryce Zephyr. And then you're hoping to get something out of Matthew Stone probably is in terms of the newcomers that are going to contribute. So you're going to need, you know, significant contributions from those newcomers, especially the transfers. All right. 
last player here before I think we can get into some starters and rotation stuff, um, which I think will lead into it actually is JJ Murray here. I, I've we've seen JJ Murray plenty, right? We know what he is. This yeah. is a different role and different team. We saw him get a different role as the season wore on. Now it's a different team. I think he started against Oral Roberts in their scrimmage. Do we ex- do you expect him to start, or what kind of role do you expect him to play? I think I do expect him to start early on. And like you said, we know who J.J. Murray is at this point. He's got a three-point shot that he can hit on occasions, but he's not going to light the scoreboard up. He's going to be in there because he can defend both on ball and off the ball because he knows the defensive system. So I think early on he's going to be somebody they rely on a lot as they're still getting these newcomers integrated and into the system a bit. But I definitely think JJ is probably going to be in that starting lineup early on. I don't know if he plays starters minutes, but I think they are going to start the game with him because you don't want to start giving up a huge, you know, barrage of points on, on the defensive side. And I think JJ at least does give you that consistency where you know what you're going to get defensively. He's got chemistry with Drez and Thomas Bell, even Jemiah Simmons to a lesser extent, probably he's got chemistry with the other guys on this team that, you know, can defend. So I think he's going to be definitely in the starting lineup early on. Okay. Cause that was my, int- so let's talk about the starting lineup. So we just think it's, it's going to be, or not, we think, but you're saying it's going to be the five returners basically. I think it's probably going to be Drez, Ruben. Obviously, Thomas Bell is going to be out there. JJ is going to be out there. And then I'd probably give the edge to Abu at this point, but I think it's pretty close between him and Hamir at this point. I've seen both of them go back and forth in practice, so I don't think either of them holds a substantial advantage, but I think Abu has been better on the defensive side, which is where it's going to count. What do you think? So Tyler Perry off the bench. Is he going to be like a microwave, you think, type guy? Guy steps in, they're going to ask him to score, I would assume, probably. I mean, I think they're going to ask him to score a bit. I think he's also going to be one of those guys who can give Ruben a rest, give Drez a rest at times, get in for JJ. I think he's a guy you can plug in play a little bit at some of those spots. Obviously, he's not the biggest guy, but he can shoot and he can make plays, so that makes him versatile enough where I think he can play off the ball a little bit. But I would, I mean, mainly you're getting him in there. You want the ball in his hands, I think. Yeah. So if you had to pick between Rashid Brown and uh, Bryce Zephyr for, let's say, like the eighth spot in rotation, obviously both could play, both can play. If you had to pick for one of them as the eighth man, who would you who would you have? I think I'm taking Rashid Brown at this point because I think I've seen a little more from him on the defensive side. And as we've talked about throughout this podcast, that's where it's going to count for these guys. If you can't play defense, you can't play for this team. So I think Rashid Brown is going to be the guy early. I haven't seen enough from Bryce on the defensive side of the ball yet. Yeah. Okay. I'm just writing out a loose, loose, uh, rotation. And I think that's a, that's probably the eight man rotation there because you don't need another Ford, right? You don't need Maya. You don't need, um, Chris Morgan in, in the front court. Um, you can just plug Thomas at the five if you really need to, and just go small at that point. And I do think Thomas is going to play probably what 15 minutes a game at the five probably, but you have Abu, Amir, and Thomas in your front court. Um, and that doesn't include, obviously, if you move, if you go small and play, let's say, Drez or someone at the four, whatnot. Um, and then you got Ruben, Tyler Perry at the one, pretty much. Then you got Drez, Rashid, and JJ as your three kind of wings in an, to an extent. I think that's a, that's a really strong eight-man lineup there. No, I agree. And 
I, I do think Jemiah could see some time just with what you were saying, if they need somebody at that forward spot, but it really just depends what's working at the time, I think, because you might not, you might want to go with just a little more, I guess, defense on the court. Cause at least to this point, I haven't seen Ruben be like a transformative kind of defender. Like he's yeah. been able to hold his own at times, but we saw flashes too. I remember one play that we talked about where, Ruben just didn't know where his man was at all. And he back cut him uh, last year and got an easy layup. So I think there's still room for growth for him on that end. And that's where I think Jemiah might see some time if he's able to be strong enough on the defensive side. Yeah. Yeah. They'll definitely get some, some playing time. And then we'll have to see if the freshmen can emerge. Cause I, I don't know about you, but I can never feel how good freshmen are before seeing them play like in games. So no, I, I agree. I don't, I'm not going to predict Matthew stone to crack the rotation, but I think his ceiling is, you know, three and D guy who gets, you know, five, 10 minutes in a game probably. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, last year they finished 101st in offenses according to Kim Palm adjusted efficiency. So these are not the raw numbers. He's also taken into account competition played. Um, they finished 101st in adjusted efficiency on offense and 48th on defense. 48th on defense is an incredible, incredible number. Yeah. Uh, considering there's 351 teams in the country. Um, where do you feel like they can finish this year? If you had to predict out of 351 teams, obviously it's not an easy task. <laughs> 101st last year, 48th in defense, 101st in offense. Um, do you have a number in, in your head for either one of those? Or I can I can take a crack at it. First. I mean, I think on the defensive side. Really what I I'm asking can, is, do you think their defense, how much, compared to last year, where do you think their defense will be, basically is what I'm asking. Yeah, so I think it might be, it might be a little bit of a drop-off because I think Reese and Zach Simmons were both key pieces of that defense. So I think it drops off a little bit, maybe, I don't know, 55, 60, 65 range. I think they still have the pieces to be a really good defense. I just don't know if they've got the big guy to really make it all work or on the outside, as far as the backup guards go, I don't know how great they're going to be on the defensive side, especially early on. But I think there is, as you said, with the spacing aspect and more shooters out there, I think there's a chance they step it up offensively. So it might balance out a little bit in that way. Yeah, I, I think the defense takes a pretty significant step back. Um, not saying that they drop to like a hundred something. I think they'll still be top one hundred. But man, the 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 corporate knowledge last year's team had was just kind mm. of unreal in a sense. Like it was literally you, Zach Simmons directing the defense, quarterbacking everything, calling out screens, calling out coverages was incredible. Thomas Bell at the four, James Reese at the three, Drez at the two, like. Those are those are plus defenders every single way you look at every which way you look at them, and I I just don't trust bringing in Tyler Perry, Ruben Jones. I don't really trust defensively yet. I think he can get there, but he's going to have a lot more on his plate offensively, right? Can you balance yeah. that? Uh, Rashid Brown, you mentioned is has been a solid defender. I, tr I trust that uh, Abu and Hamir at the five. I th think the reason Thomas plays the five a lot more this year is not just because he's good. I think it's going to be because of those defensive minutes. I think if Abu and Amir maybe aren't quite there defensively, they're just going to throw Thomas at the five and yeah. just kind of fix a lot of that. So I think the the personnel defensively is going to take some time, take some work to get there. Um, unlike years past where they come out of the gates, just a great defensive team and struggle on offense. I think this could be a year where they, 
maybe struggle a little bit more on defense and maybe have a little bit more shooting on offense and can find a, a rhythm there. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 80 on defense. I'm going to go 80th on defense here, which is still very good. I, I don't have UAB's numbers in front of me from last year, but that's probably where like UAB and LaTeX finished last year. Very good. 48 was just insane. Uh, 80th on defense. And if I had to guess, I think the offense will be slightly better this year. Um, yeah. I'm going to go probably like 90 on defense. And if you give me a 90 and 80 splits, like rankings in the country, that's a team that is going to be competing for a conference championship. So that might be a little uh, optimistic, but I, I think that's, I think that's really, really good. So um, I'm just looking at a couple of their stats from last year. One weird thing in the past two years, it's been like this. Um, the, the defense, the offense has gotten better as the years has gone on. Right. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end of the year, both years, as far as regular season goes, the defense has kind of tailed off a bit as the offense has gotten better. So it's kind of like worked in like this, uh, this way where it like levels out to a degree, because you look at last year's stats, they were fifth in defense last year on in mm-hmm. conference play in conference play. Right. But you would expect that to be higher. Right. But yeah. as the offense gets better, they were third in offense again, not something you would expect. Right. So it's just like, it starts to even out a bit as the year goes on. They're always a balanced team, even though it feels like they're, they're winning in 50 to 49, they're still being efficient on offense. They're just playing really, really, really slow, really, really slow. Second in effective field goal position on offense, uh, uh, percentage on offense. Um, first in two point last year, they shot 55.6% from two, which is just an insane number. Like, yeah, an in, insane, insane number here. So, um, yeah, I think that takes a step back when you don't have Zach Simmons and JV on Hamlet. That's just unrealistically insane. And they were holding their opponents to 46% from two. So it's like a 9% difference. Um, <laughs> I just, I just, I just nerd out when I look at these numbers, sometimes they're just crazy, crazy team last year. What a weird team. Oh man. Yeah. It was, it was wild to watch. Um, last thing I think I'll say as far as just advanced stats go, cause I've, I'm on Kim Palm right now. Um, they were first last year in opponents assists per field goal made. So that means teams are really, and we saw this last year, like the team aspect of it didn't really hurt them. It's those individual guys that could beat you. Right. So Isaiah Crawford mm. in the post in Louisiana tech, or it was in Denton, but with Louisiana tech, when he scored on Thomas Bell a few times and that beat them, um, we saw Michael Ertle for UAB go off a couple games. You know, we, we saw Kenneth Lofton have some games. So it's really the individuals that usually beat North Texas. It's not the, the system to a degree. Um, and that's what I'm kind of worried about defensively is you don't have those. You, you're not, you're not super solid at every single position this year, at least not yet. So that is one thing I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing defense. Well, yeah. And if you look like you, you look at some of the tough teams in conference USA, UAB is going to have some bigs, La Tech, Scott Lofton, who might be the best big in the whole league. So with some of the question marks with Abu and Hamir inside, that makes it, that makes it a little sketchy as in terms of whether they're going to be able to handle those teams. I mentioned Kalu Exikpe from Old Dominion, Trey Jemison from UAB. Um, Max Fiedler from Rice is a really good player. Um, Western Kentucky has a 7-4 freshman center now who I don't know how good he's going to be, but, you know, he's at least a, a body. <laughs> um, <laughs> UTSA has Jacob Germany, who I don't predict to be that, that good, but still somebody. So I'm interested. 
uh, to see how, how it goes. I keep saying that because I, I actually am like, it's the first thing that comes to my mind every time I think of this, I just can't wait to, to watch this. Um, do you want to predict anything? Do we want to put anything to a piece of paper? Here's what we do actually. Here's what, no, this, this is not negotiable here. So Colin and I last year, we did a breakout candidate and then most likely to disappoint. All right. We covered both of our bases here. All right. We didn't just, we didn't, we're not just this fluffy podcast that, that just poof, poofs everybody up here. All right. We got to stir the pot a little bit. As you can tell, I'm, I'm going to get JV on him yelling at you this time. <laughs> no, he's not even on the team. Someone's going to be yelling at you. That's the goal of this podcast. Uh, breakout candidate. So it can be one of the, I mean, obviously we've talked about everybody on the team. Who's someone who you think will be better than what maybe we're expecting? Man, throwing this on me like this last I will go All first. Right. I will go yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. You go for it and I'll think on it a little bit. I will go first because I, I think Tyler Perry is going to be really, really good. I think Tyler Perry is going to come off the bench and legit light it up if he doesn't start. Like he's going to be really good defensively. I'm worried. Yes, I am. But offensively, he's going to come in and light it up. He can shoot. He can score. He can do everything on the court. I love, I love Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry is my breakout candidate for the year. Man, I, didn't I mean, that that's, I, I think that's the obvious pick. I agree because man, man, if you look at one. his offensive game, he, he's like, he's got so much. Not only does he have the three ball, but I've been impressed with his finishing around the rim, just his touch his ability to sort of contort his body and still get a shot to go, which is something obviously he has to do a little bit with his size, but yeah, he's a really good pick. I think I might go with Hamir. I, I, I like that. I like that. I, I think Hamir has a chance to play a big role for these guys. If he's just able to figure it out on the defensive side. And I think he's got crazy athleticism too, man. Like he can get up and dunk an alley-oop. Like I, I've seen some alley-oops in practice that were pretty impressive from him. I've seen, Obviously, I talked about the three-point shooting a little bit. If he can put it all together on the court, he's got a chance to be really good for them on the offensive side. And if he can just be serviceable on defense, he's going to be an impact player. Yeah. All right. Disappointing. Every year, someone disappoints us. We got to call it here. I don't remember who I said last year. Let me see who I said last year. If I, I should have listened to last year's <laughs> podcast before I did. I think I might have predicted Larry Wise, honestly. I might have predicted that. Or Terrence Lewis. No, I think it was Larry. Or Jalen. It was Larry or Jalen. Either way, I was right. <laughs> but it's not important. We're, again, we're not rooting for these people to fail. But no. we're just predicting. We're, it's a podcast. That's what we do. Um, I'm not going to pick him. I am worried about Hamir's floor. Like I feel like there's a chance he just doesn't quite get there. No, I agree. I think there's a chance that his his floor is low and his ceiling's high. There's exactly. a wide range. I'm not going to pick him though. I I, I think he's going to be fine. That's not going to be my pick. Um, I'm going to go with and I I am going to I'm not going to pick Maya even though you you can pick Maya. Um, I man, this is tough. I think I'm taking a boo, man. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to take a boo because I don't know. I think the mental side is still a bit of a challenge for him. And I don't know that even as a sophomore, I don't know that he's going to be a hundred percent ready to play big time minutes for these guys. We saw him have an impact in spurts in smaller minute sizes, but even with the transformations he's made with his body and all that, I'm not sure he's in, you know, he's in great physical shape. So yeah, I think I'm going to go with the boo as a guy who might disappoint a little bit. Yeah. That's going to be that he's, he's going to have, he has big, big shoes to fill, and I think that they don't need him. Like, if Amir Wright is solid and Thomas Bell plays a five 15 minutes of the game, 
like they're not going to need him for more than 10, 15 minutes. Like that, that is something that could happen there. So he's going to have yeah. to prove himself worthy. Like, it's not like the spot is there and it's like, well, they play as good or bad. You have to roll with him. No, that's not how it is right now. So um, that's actually a really good pick. Um, I should have said that before you said it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go. Uh... No, I'm not going to go JJ. I like, no, I'm, I'm going to go Rashid Brown. And I'm just going to, I think, I think JJ is going to solidify his role. I, I trust JJ to solidify his role. I'll beat is, is going to be a bigger spot. I'm going to roll JJ. I'm going to trust JJ Murray, friend of the podcast. Um, And I'm going to put it on Rashid Brown here. I think Rashid is good from everything I've read, seen, heard, watched, heard from you. Um, He did get hurt last year, so he is coming off an injury. Um, I do need to see him. If he is more of an off-ball player, he's only 6'2". He's going to have to really be able to shoot the ball and defend on both sides. He's going to have to be Drez. He's going to have to play at that level. Um, Because if not, they're just going to play JJ 35-plus minutes a game. And like they have no problems doing that, they've done it before. <laughs> and maybe Bryce uh, Zephyr, yeah. maybe Bryce Zephyr starts figuring, figuring things out, right? And maybe you can trust him a little bit more. Um, so I'm gonna go Rasheed Brown as a uh, disappointment candidate, although I hope he can uh, obviously kind of figure it out because that would be a big boost to their backcourt if they can get him, him or Bryce, either one really. No, I agree. I think Rashid's a solid pick because yeah, I've seen the flashes of good, but I've also seen the flashes of not so great especially on the defensive side at times, which doesn't bode well for playing minutes for this team. So I think that's another solid pick. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I guess we can end it with this last question. Colin asked, Colin Mitchell, if y'all remember him, asked who, <laughs> who would win in a 21 game of 21 between us three. Um, and I'll just ask you, John, do you think you could beat Colin Mitchell one-on-one in basketball? I think I probably could. And granted, it's been a while. It's been yes. a minute since I've played, but I did. I played high school basketball all four years. Oh, I made the, yes. Beat the I, I made the team. Them. I made the team at a 6A school in Houston, actually. Oh. I high school, but I wasn't all that good. Like I was on the team because That's I worked bad. hard and I was a decent example for everybody else. I wasn't on the team because I was like as skilled as those 6A guys. But I think I could at least beat Colin. I don't know about you, man, because I think I you it. might have some serious skills. And it's I been a minute it. since I've played, but. I love it. Sorry, Colin. You're, you're getting smoked in 21, man. John and I are going to have like 20 and 21, and you're going to have like zero. Oh, this is great. This is great. I didn't know you. That's where, I didn't we, know you that's where we've upgraded, man. We've upgraded on this podcast in terms of our basketball production, man. In terms of our on-court play, we've upgraded. Oh, Colin's going to cry. Colin's going to cry himself to sleep tonight. That's crazy. I didn't know you played basketball for four years over there. That's great. I did. Well, yeah, and I wasn't I wasn't at that 6A school all four years. I started out 2A small town school where everybody plays every sport. And, you know, I was a fringe kind of JV varsity guy. So I'm not going to toot my own horn that much. I wasn't that good, but I could play a little bit. I, I played center at one point for my junior high team, which was interesting because I was more of a guard once I got to high school. But I could play a little bit, man. I got a little bit of a mid-range shot. I love it. I love it. This is great. Sorry, Colin. Uh, you you would not win the two game of 21. So that's great. We got to right. play on the court outside the star, man. Right, right. At the whenever whenever <laughs> the conference tournament is. <laughs> whenever I come by later on in the year, whenever it is, I don't know. Whenever that happens, uh, we'll 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 have to get the game of 21 in. Oh yeah. Happen. All right. Anything else about this team? No, you think we should cover before the year starts? I mean, 
two weeks away, or not even two weeks away, a week and a half away from the season starting. Yeah, man, it's, um, it's sneaking up. I'm assuming the Arkansas exhibition game, while it's not going to be like televised or anything, I think this, I'm assuming the stats and stuff will be public because like LSU had a had an exhibition game and all that stuff was public, like and it because it was like a charity event, right? And that's how Arkansas and North Texas is. I'm assuming I think it's going to be yeah, a charity it's event. it's the same deal where it's open to the public exhibition. I heard from luke today that actually it's sold out so they're expecting a pretty big crowd i think gosh yeah arkansas is going to be they're going to be going crazy they're going to be going crazy for this that's good that's a good exhibition game for them so um yeah i'm sure you'll have something written up for that about that afterwards and and whatnot because that's going to be an interesting one that's october 30th and that is in two days on saturday damn yeah man it's going to be a busy saturday with the rice football game actually you know for anybody who's listening i'm gonna be down there in houston covering the game in person because as i hinted at i uh, got some family down there in houston so i'm gonna be spending the weekend with them nice to finally have a chance to catch up with them because it's been one hell of a busy semester but it'll be interesting to see that unt football game too man i know this ain't a football podcast but boy unt rice that's an exciting game to get up for, right? Game of the week. <laughs> game of the week. What a game. Um, and there was one guy I wanted to touch on a little more. I know we talked about him, but one of the really key parts of this team is going to be how big of a step Ruben Jones can take forward, man. Like, he's going to have to be a really good playmaker because they don't have Javion anymore. He's going to have to step into a lot of that role and take on a lot of that stuff. Because the guys you got behind him, it's all newcomers, basically. You don't have another point guard on the roster coming back. Like, it's Ruben, it's Tyler Perry, maybe Rasheed Brown. But, like, Ruben's going to have to be solid, at least, from the jump. And it's going to take a significant step up from what we saw from him last year. And we saw good flashes, but it's going to take a lot. While the shooting of this team is better than last year, I think, from an overall perspective as far as, like, you know, fives, ones, two, threes, the, the playmaking on this team is, is what's going to interesting interest me because you're not going to ask anyone to be, you're, you're not going to ask Ruben to replicate what Javion did. So Ruben is your primary ball handler. But then outside of that, we know Thomas Bell is a good passer. We know he's a good creator. And I, so I, I'm going to put Thomas Bell probably as that secondary guy right now. And yeah. then Tyler Perry, probably the guy after that, if I had to like rank the creators on this team, as far as like impact, it's probably those three. And then after that, I don't really know where you go with that like i don't I mean, think Rez is a great creator yeah. i don't i don't think jj's a, jj's a good creator don't get me wrong actually jj's probably my fourth pick actually jj's a good creator but i don't you know i don't want him to like you know come down come off a ball screen and play all that he's really good off the ball he's really good in um in specific moments where he catches the defense off guard so i just don't it's not the same thing as you know what what we're gonna make what they're gonna make ruben do on a consistent basis yeah, yeah, no, it's going to be the Ruben show and the Tyler Perry show on the ball. Thomas Bell is going to be a key part of moving the ball around for this offense as well. I like that call out. And I agree. I think J.J. is probably a better play mar- playmaker at this point than Drez. And Drez is solid, but that's just not necessarily his strong suit. Like, he's not great dribbling the ball. He can dribble the ball, but you're not wanting him to come off a ton of screens either, I don't think, as the ball handler. So, it's going to take a team effort from these guys. I think that's maybe the key part. This isn't going to be the JV on Hamlet, every possession, you know, come down an ISO down the stretch basically and make a play for himself or somebody else. It's going to be a lot of different guys needing to step up in various ways. So it's going to be a unique team to watch compared to the last couple of years. 
here we go. Last thing before you can get us out of here. Uh, predict Thomas Bell's stat line. Last year, he averaged 10 point, well, 10.4 points, 5.9 rebounds, one assist, 1.2 blocks, something like that, on 52% shooting. If you had to guess the stat line, what, what would it be? I'm definitely taking a step up in points because that's just what they're going to need from him. I think somewhere in the, I don't know, 15 points or so range, I think is reasonable. I was going to so 14, I'd, 15, yeah. Yeah, 14, 15 points a game is solid there. Um, I think the rebounding is going to have to be right around the same, if not a little higher. So I think six boards a game is solid prediction. The blocks are going to have to be there still um, at least, you know, one or two a game because he's going to have to be some of that interior presence with Zach no longer there. He's going to have to step up a little more. Um, I wish they kept charges per game as a stat because that is Thomas Bell's forte, man. I mean, we saw it last year and I've seen it again in practice. That's just who he is. He's got a knack for getting in the right spot to draw a charge at the most opportune times, especially late in the shot clock. It's running down. Somebody tries to get a shot and he's just right where he needs to be. So that's going to be another crucial part on the defensive side. Um, so yeah, I think like 14, 15 points, six or seven rebounds is probably right around where he's going to be yeah. and probably a block, block and a half a game, something like that. Yep. I just like putting all this on the record because I, I agree with you. I think for like 14, seven and like maybe one and a half assists with one and a half blocks. Like that's a really, really good stat line. So yeah, I'm interested to see how that goes. All right, man. I, I don't have anything else written down. Do you? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it, man. All right, man. Uh, you can get us out of here. It's your podcast. So. <laughs> go, go ahead. All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in and listening. You can follow us at, on Twitter at mean green two, four, seven, Follow Bruni at Matthew Bruni underscore. Follow me on Twitter at John Field Zero. And uh, we'll catch you next time.